the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing, brother? Hey, Double M, thanks for taking the call. Getting the fast lane, Grandma. I'm ready to go to Tim Hortons for some fat-free donuts. The X at 105.9. Joining me now is the constructor and conductor at DKSports.com. Let's welcome to the program. Brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, the latest offer has been made from the owners to the players in MLB. 60 games in 70 days. It starts July 19th. Uh, full prorated salaries, which the players weren't going to move off of. Expanded playoffs for the next two years. And they cannot file a grievance after the fact. Uh, what kind of chance does this offer have with the players? It has an excellent chance. If it doesn't, then you need to not have Tony Clark as your union chief because whenever you have just two guys in the room, and by all accounts that's what's happened here with Rob Manford flying out to Phoenix, meeting Tony Clark face-to-face, no one else there, you're basically authorizing those guys to get something done. Uh, You saw Rob Manford's statement after the fact uh, saying that he believes that uh, according to his statement, which never would have been put out if it hadn't been okayed with Tony Clark, that there's a framework in place uh, that they're going to take that back. Uh, in Manfred's case to the owners, in Clark's case back to the players, uh, there's no way it won't get ratified. That doesn't mean there won't still be T's to cross and I's to dot, but uh, this is as close to, to done uh, as you get for them to agree on this. Uh, I tend to agree, but I think first there's going to have to be a few more games. I don't think it's going to settle in at 60. If I were the players, I would not give up the right to file a grievance after the fact for 60 games. I'd have to get uh, closer to 70, maybe even a little bit over, but I, I might settle for 66. Well, I don't think I don't think there's any further negotiating. I mean, the commissioner and the union chief just agreed on the framework. That's all that's going to be voted on here. It's not like you know you're going to have you know, a group of players saying, hey, this is no good. That's when Tony Clark says, all right, you go and negotiate something. He agreed, Mark. He agreed. Well, This this is going to proceed. He can't agree on behalf of the players, and it wouldn't surprise me. Sure he can. Sure he can. He's their representative. (laughs) That's why he went there. Well, once again, offering you a bet I know you won't take. I bet it's more than 60 games. I don't think it will be. Okay, well, we'll see. But I, I still think there's some room to move. In what was, uh, I do agree, all but decided today. Now, how will the acrimony of this negotiation affect the CBA negotiation in 2021? Could we see a shutdown of baseball at that point? Yes. Now, I think that you saw certain things happen during this process, uh, not least of which is the one thing that needed to happen most toward baseball moving toward systems that are comparable to other sports, and that was that the big money teams had to see the light where this comes into play. Um, there's a bit of a misnomer out there about which teams would and would not be in favor of having this season proceed. Uh, the teams that were the most in fear of playing this season, 2020, were the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, because they have by far the most to lose. The Yankees, uh, by one estimate, are going to lose $312 million dollars uh, by not, but by having to play this season, uh, whether or not you believe those figures, those teams are the ones unquestionably that have the most to lose. Whenever we saw hockey go to its salary cap in 2004, the thing that pushed it over the edge that allowed Gary Bettman to unite the owners is that it wasn't just a handful of, 
uh, lower teams that were losing money. It was everybody. It was the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Maple Leafs, the Canadiens. He was able to band everybody together and get the cap done. Uh, I think in this case, you look at some of the names of the owners that have spoken up. It's been Tom Ricketts of the Cubs, Ken Kendrick of the Diamondbacks. Uh, these are yeah, Bill DeWitt of the of the Cardinals. These are teams that are generally accepted to be the ones that usually make the most money. Uh, and here they are. They're the ones that were speaking up. So, I, yes, I do think you could see something. Uh, what would certainly help in that regard, though, Mark, is if owners like Bob Nutting, uh, like other owners that are around the league, actually did something, spoke up and advocated for it instead of just being good soldier. And that's unfortunately what Bob has done most of his time as owner. Uh Bob Nutting allegedly wanted to play this season. I don't see. Uh, well, okay. He hasn't said that, so I don't believe it. But uh, why would he want to play this season when everything he's done in the past has been totally with an eye toward money? Yeah, because he, they're going to lose way more money if they don't play. I mean, it's not even close. The Pirates <laughs> will lose more even, money by not playing. Oh, my God, yes. By not having a season? Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. just don't see how that's possible. Tell me how that's possible. Well, you, you really want me to bore everybody to death with all the math? I mean, I've never stopped you before. The, the same thing that everybody's criticizing the Pirates for uh, is the same thing that would have bailed them out in this situation. They have a low payroll. They'd actually be one of the teams. That's, they're one of the teams that's best equipped to go through this process. Uh, and on top of that, if you're losing a season. Uh, the map, they lose all of their TV revenue. They lose all of everything in, in what was going to be a season where they weren't going to lose money. And then on top of that, you get into next year, it's that much harder to bring the sport back, to get everybody interested again. Uh, no, this absolutely, this was a no-brainer for the Pirates to want to play this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear what you're saying. I'm still not so sure I believe you because there's no reason to believe the Pirates when it comes to anything about finances. Okay, but I mean, again, the math is the math, you know. Right, because they've always been so upfront till this point. Now, you think baseball can get a salary cap? Uh, I don't see how, but tell me what you think has to happen for that to happen. Well, the first thing I've already mentioned, and that is that the bigger teams need to they they need to see the Lord, so to speak. I mean, they need to have actual fear of wow, this actually this system isn't working. Uh, we need to we need to do something here. Uh, the luxury tax in and of itself, it's another thing that everybody gets wrong about baseball. It's there. It exists. It does hold certain teams down. We saw the, the Red Sox unthinkably trading Mookie Betts because they didn't want to go over uh, the, the luxury tax. But unlike other sports, it doesn't trickle down to teams like Pittsburgh and others. Uh, it goes into this general pool of international funds. There's a different revenue-sharing model in baseball. Uh, the way you see a salary cap is the things that I've already mentioned, but it's really, it's just got to be some kind of noise about it. Um, nobody talks about this, Mark. I mean, you don't see the national baseball writers are more complicit with their sport, the reporters, and that goes up to not just in print, TV, radio, you name it, are more complicit with their sport than in any other, and it's not even close. And most of them are based exactly where you would expect, New York, Chicago, L.A., and so forth. And they don't see anything wrong. The world that they live in, baseball looks fine to them. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, they, well, ESPN, too. I mean, all we have in yeah, every game absolutely. of the week, every Sunday night baseball is uh, Yankees-Red Sox, and, and they don't want yeah, that to change. I, I don't know why the Yankees and Red Sox would want that to change. Well, I do, because they'll, they'll make a ton more money. Again, I'm going to keep swinging back to the NHL example. We all said the same thing. There's no way the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings will go along with this because they're paying their payrolls were way higher. The Rangers, you'll remember, were plucking players away from everybody, including the Penguins, like there was no tomorrow. Why would they go along with this? Because what Gary Bettman showed them was, here's what the model will do for you financially. You just said yourself that money always speaks in these situations. These owners would like to make more money than they make right now and not have the headaches uh, like what you just saw with the Red Sox and, and Mookie Betts. If a guy's got to go at that point because you, you, you're capped out, then he just goes. But you still end up making a ton of money. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's an absolute no-brainer for those teams. Now, I think baseball would have to lose at least one full season uh, to yes. get a salary cap. But are they prepared at to do that? Is the operative term. It would be... Uh, it would be at least as brutal, the, the process and the litigation and everything else, as what we saw with the hockey union. You'll, you'll remember, uh, maybe a lot of your listeners won't, that the hockey union back then was uh, unbelievably tight and militant. And it was one that was never going to be broken. Uh, they had they had armed themselves for, I was about to say armed themselves for bear, except that that would be unfair reference to the Highland Park bear. They were, they were tough. Uh, and it was thought that there was no way they were going to break them. Uh, eventually, the owners just kept saying, you know what, we're, we're not giving in. This is the way it's going to be until we have a salary cap system. We're not going to have hockey. And eventually, it, it did come down to getting hockey back, uh, and they did. They got their cap system. Uh, that's all that has to happen, Mark, in baseball. It's never about the union. It's never about the players. It's always about the owners. They hold all the cards, all of them. We're talking today's on Kovacevic, brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Uh, what do you hear about the hub cities for the NHL resumption, and why is it taking so long? I think it's been taking as long as it has, primarily because of Canada. Uh, I've had a feeling, and from what I've heard and talking to people uh, in, in the NHL, in the Penguins, is that there's always been a, a, a sense that the league wanted to have one city in, in the United States, one city in Canada. You've seen that's how they've done a lot of their business over the years in general. Uh, the moment it became clear that Vegas was going to be one of the two hubs, and, and that's now pretty much understood based on the report in the Las Vegas Review-Journal last week, uh, the other was going to be in Canada. You don't want two in the West, no matter what the NHL says, because uh, even Bill Daly, the vice president of the league, has acknowledged that you, you can't – it's really tough to do TV when everybody's out in one time zone. You know, you want them to be spread out. So I thought it was going to be Edmonton in Canada because they had a perfect setup for this. It's not going to be that now because similar time zone to Vegas. So I see Vegas and Toronto. The moment Vegas got it, I knew Pittsburgh and Columbus were both out. Uh I don't know why the NHL should wait on Toronto or any Canadian city. You know, you got the border restrictions, the mandatory 14-day quarantine. I just think it would be best to to, to get on with it. But uh, well, they were waiting for Trudeau. They were waiting for the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to do something about it. He'd hinted at it a couple of weeks ago, and then yesterday he made a statement that saying that Canada is willing to work with the NHL to make sure that a hub city. Uh, and and to me, that was just a great big green light for Toronto. That that's where it's going to go. Um. Uh, 
Hey, I hear Sid, Jake, and Sherry are practicing in the small group uh, sessions. What do you make of that? I don't know. You really want to talk about this? Well, I mean, you, you just say that Sherry's going to be scratched for Evan friggin' Rodriguez, and Dejan, we both know it's going to be Sid, Jake, and Sherry. We just both do. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I Now that they're practicing together and everything, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to be together. My point with Evan Rodriguez, and you know this, you know hockey, and you know hockey coaches and how much they prioritize penalty killing. That Jacques Martin is going to want guys who can win right-handed face-offs, and he's going to want X complement of penalty killers. That's a fair thing for him to, to, to ask for, and you know and I know that Mike Sullivan listens when Martin asks yeah, for that. Who do, you so, think, who do you think Sullivan's more likely to listen to, Jacques Martin or Sidney Crosby? Or Sidney Crosby. I knew that was coming. Uh, I'll say this. It's an okay way to start the playoffs. The Canadians' defense is not very mobile. The Sherry, Gensel, and Crosby line will have all kinds of uh, zone time. They'll wear those guys down. Shea Weber's not going to be wanting to chase everybody around, and he's going to be out there for 30 minutes a game. Uh, I think it's an okay way to start. But Connor Sherry has, what, two goals in his last 37 playoff games? Yeah, uh, that's not relevant. Oh, no, but it was when you were trashing Dominic Simone around the clock. Yeah, you're right, and I was I was then as you are now, uh, shouting out against the darkness, without a light to help. <laughs> That's true. All I'll say is that I like the idea, uh, and you know you can argue whether or not Jim Rutherford ever would have made the trade for Jason Zucker had he known Jake Gensel was somehow magically going to be available for the playoffs. Uh, it's still a it's still a terrific trade. It's still something that I think will help the Penguins. Uh, in the event that Sherry doesn't produce or for whatever reason Sid's line doesn't produce, they've got a very, very easy slide up uh, in moving uh, Zucker up there to the top line. Oh, no, he will no, no, no question. But he Zucker, will score. Zucker will be fine with Malkin, too. As picky as Sid can be, Gino's not picky at all. Now, uh, There's another one. You see, you want, you want Zucker on the second line with Malkin, and I don't know that that's going to happen. I think Patrick Marlowe will stay on that left wing. Yeah, I really do. That's more insanity on your part. They didn't trade for Jason mm-hmm. Zucker to put him on the third line in the playoffs. Now, uh, but one point is well made uh, with all the shuffling around the Penguins can do. The Penguins might have the most depth in the league, and I'm not sure anybody realizes that because we never saw it all year because of the crazy injuries. Yeah, you know, I would put Tampa above them in that regard, uh, but not by a ton. I mean, Boston is certainly in that category as well in that discussion. And over in the West, uh, you know, you still have, you know, obviously the defending champs in St. Louis getting Vladimir Tarasenko back, Colorado getting back, what, half of their guys, Miko Ranton and uh, Nathan McKinnon, a bunch of guys were banged up uh, going into what would have been the playoffs uh, but the Penguins, is certainly up front, would appear to be the deepest team in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, it's funny, we don't even mention the fourth line um, because we just assume that there's nothing that can touch Teddy Bluger, Gaston Reese, and, and Brandon Tanev in terms of, you know, splitting them up. Uh, they they have a little bit of everything. Um, they're not necessarily the biggest group, but they, they have speed. They can score. Um, they have power play, and they have enough penalty killing. Um, it, it's it's a it's a terrific group, and I think defensively too. You know, when you get right down to it, instead of talking about the six who they will have, you know, just consider that Chad Ruedel and, and Yuso Rikula will be 
watching the games from the side, and those are a couple of legit NHL defensemen. Uh, you know, this team got by for a long part of this past season without a healthy Brian Dumoulin, uh, without Justin Schultz. Um, it, it's a really, really good group, you know. Never mind, the, you know, depth in goaltending, you know. Let's not forget that. Now, Colin Kaepernick's uh, going to work out for the L.A. Chargers, it said. Where is that going to lead? I don't know. I mean, you know, when, when Goodell, when Roger Goodell goes public and says that, you know, he'd like to encourage teams to sign Colin Kaepernick or whatever, it, it, it kind of feels like, you know, the, the really rapid fire reaction statement that he had not that long ago when the players demanded that he say these things and he came on and pretty much read them to a camera verbatim. Uh, where was Roger Goodell in trying to advocate, never mind openly, that Colin Kaepernick could come back into the league three, four years ago. Where will it go? Hey, there are quarterback jobs available. There are slots available. If he ends up being the Chargers two or three, and of course with the Los Angeles Chargers, there's more opportunity than that. Uh, that's a team that, that really needs a quarterback unless you're funny, one of the few people on the planet that, who believe funny you in Tyrod that. Taylor. They got Tyrod Taylor and a rookie. I bet Kaepernick yeah. winds up starting, and I think that's the end game here. Oh, geez. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everything that's come out of the, the Chargers camp about Tyrod Taylor is that they really believe in him. They're going to give him a chance. Yeah, and that pales um, next to the big picture here. I think this is an NFL. Oh, no. You're not going there, are you? Triumph, you think they, they, they'll give Kaepernick the, the job just for show purposes? Not for no show chance. purposes. I mean, he's replacing a shaky quarterback. I mean, if he not plays, yet. if he plays horribly... If he plays horribly, that's one thing. But I think if he shows any semblance of the form he displayed before being, let's face it, blackballed from the league, I bet he starts. Because if you try him out and cut him, the skirmish starts all over again. Well, let me throw a question back to you because we've had this discussion too. Do you really think Kaepernick's going to show up and play? I don't know. And that is the wild I don't know part. either. I don't know that he wants to play. I've been saying that all along. It's not the most popular view, but every action he's taken throughout all of this has been a, of, a, of a person who just wants to dip their toe in the water and see if anybody's interested, and then he backs right back out again. I, I can't get over that tryout fiasco from a year ago. No. You know, I, I, just, I don't believe this is someone who wants to play football. I don't disagree with that at all, but I think if he does try out, then he... Winds up starting. Dejan, as always, a pleasure. Good stuff, and we'll do it again next week. All right, Mark. Take care. That's Dejan Kovacevic. Time now to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Dial that number and ask Mark anything. It's at-